Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. And on today's show, I've got Anna Marie Frank. Anna Marie has spent over 20 years in the wellness industry. She's a doctor of neuropathy, certified brain health practitioner, worksite wellness specialist, and amazing human. She's also the founder of Happy Whole You, formulator of free brain nutraceuticals, a published author, life guide, mother of two, and holistic health advocate. Anna-Marie had to heal her own brain after many years of depression and medication fails through Western medicine. Anna-Marie has found a way to safely combine high technology with old school holistic health modalities that improve one's brain function while simultaneously decreasing body inflammation and raising one's vibration. The ultimate cellular and energy hacker. So welcome on to the show, Anne-Marie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure is absolutely all mine. So if we go right back to the beginning of your story, what was it that made you get into wanting to know more about brain health specifically for the audience? Yeah, I... Really, I had to end up healing my own brain because I struggle with depression and ADHD and dyslexia, all the labels that one may find themselves getting over a period of time. And I did what any most people do is I went to a Western doctor here in the States and I spent about 10 minutes with him and he gave me three prescriptions so three mind altering drugs at 22 years old. And as a good student that I am, I started taking them. And what I found very quickly is that medication did not work for me. And so that set me forth on a journey to heal my own brain naturally. So I'm simplifying it quite so, but that ultimately catapulted me to look at the brain and how it's functioning and ultimately look at the whole picture of the whole being and okay, how can I heal myself from the inside out? Okay. So when you say free specific drugs is obviously the one for, for depression. So people will be probably aware of uh, that one from, for anxiety and depression medications, one for ADHD. What's the one I'm missing? Mm-hmm. So that I had anxiety, which I I actually have never been a very anxious person. I'm a very driven person. So I think that there is a big difference. I think that the level of drive that I have is what helps make me successful, but I wouldn't classify it as anxiety. Um, but he thought something different because really he just asked me this list of questions. Um, never did they scan my brain. Never did they do any blood work or any testing to diagnose me properly. And then 
even knowing what I know now, I, I don't even think that the depression that I was experiencing should be ultimately a diagnosis. I feel like it's a side effect of something else that was going on within me. And, um, that's what I wanted to get to the root of is like, what is causing this? And, um, I didn't want to accept a diagnosis of, oh, you have depression as if it's something that I have and I have to live with the rest of my life. I just looked at it and viewed it as, okay, I'm experiencing this. Why am I experiencing this? And are there ways that I can start to adjust what's going on within my biology? Do you think most people, Anne-Marie, they jump to the conclusion of, of the diagnosis and the stigma associated with it? You know, I really do. It's, you know, it's interesting because when, um, you know, there's been research studies that show that when doctors give prognoses that really people fall in line with that, right? Like if a doctor tells you, oh, you have three months to live, um, it's really up to the individual to decide, am I going to accept this or am I not going to accept this? Um, I do find that, you know, back in, back in the day when I was in high school and I was experiencing depression back then, it wasn't, like it wasn't used like, Oh, I'm depressed or, Oh, I have anxiety. Like that wasn't like a thing back then. Like people didn't talk about it and it wasn't freely used. So with doing what I do now with seeing the amount of teens I see, um, and people that I see, it's really interesting how quickly it comes off their tongue of, Oh, I have depression. And so one of the things that I knew I had to do is I literally had to start. I looked at my brain as like this computer that I had to rewire And so I think that when we do, when we accept something and we, you know, like I have depression, I am depressed, then I think your biology will follow suit, right? It's like thinking, oh, I'm going to have a bad day or I'm having a bad day. I spilled coffee all over myself. And it's interesting how your day will just catapult into this day of just junk that's happening versus if you spill coffee on yourself and you laugh at yourself, you're like, oh, this is going to be such an interesting, exciting day. My day is just like starting off kind of funny, like just shifting that perspective within how you're thinking will change how you are feeling. So yeah, I think people too easily accept, um, these, these labels. And I do think too, part of it was like, for example, for myself, I think that I accepted it at first because it gave me an excuse. It gave me an excuse to be miserable. It gave me an excuse for the things that were going bad in my life that really I was causing, but then I was like, oh, well, I have depression or oh, I'm depressed. I can't do this. I can't get out of bed, blah, blah, blah. And so I used it as a crutch. And um, ultimately until I decided and realized like, I'm the only person that can make myself happy and healthy. No one else is going to wake up every day and figure out, oh, how can I make Anna Marie's life better? Right. So I do, I do think it's part of it is choosing and choosing the things that will fill you up and help shift what's going on within you. And when you refer to your days in high school, how long are we talking about? So I think I started to really notice my junior year, probably sophomore year was good, but my junior year was really when things started shifting. And, you know, people, I was a four sport athlete and I was at a class A school. I was on varsity of of all the sports I did, I was very gifted. And I had this work ethic that was just crazy. I think back at it and I'm like, Oh my gosh, but you know, you wouldn't look at me and think that you wouldn't look at me and think, Oh, she's depressed. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm like, 
what was that? Was it, was it because I had been bullied before? Was it because I had hits to the head multiple times? Was it because my hormones were shifting? Um, what, where was this coming from? Was this, you know, was this from my childhood? And so I just, I got curious about it, um, as I've gotten older and, um, yeah. And I look back and it was just like, it was just interesting how I existed during that time because I did everything to kind of cover it up and put on like this happy face when really I just thought one, nobody likes me. I'm not good at anything. Like the thoughts that I had were like so silly. Cause I look back at it now and I'm like, I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud of the things I accomplished, you know? And, um, and so it's just interesting because when I think of how I used to be to how I am now, it like I view myself as like I was a completely different person. And what I need to elaborate my question a bit better. In terms of the the, the time frame that we were talking about, we were talking about ten years, fifteen years from from now from now oh. to back then. That's that's my apologies, and I'll and I'll take that. Yeah. No. So I would say probably from the age of sixteen, seventeen until the age of 22, 22 is when I went in to get medicated. And then from 22 to about 26, I was on this up and down roller coaster of, do I get more drugs? Do I fix myself? I kind of want to have a drug, but then I know I can do these things. And so, um, it was probably, yeah, like 10, almost 10 years of going back and forth. And then I've spent the last 10 years. So about 10 years of like figuring it all out. And then the last 10 years I look at as when I started to actually re drastically rewire my brain and change my biology and change the things I was doing from a day-to-day basis. But it wasn't something that was like this easy, quick snap my fingers and it was fixed. Um, however, now with where technology is at and what I do for a living now, I love it because I can help people achieve and start to shift what's going on within them in such a short period of time compared to you know, the, the many years that it took me. Why do you think there's been a, a shift from from our days, I think we're about a similar age, of being in high school and, and not using those sorts of labels of I'm depressed, I'm anxious. We would probably refer to probably stress and that was about it. To yeah. obviously yeah. teenagers coming to you now and saying I've got those those symptoms. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, our pharmaceutical industry in the U S has a, has a lot to do with that. Um, and I mean, I don't think I knew anyone when I was in high school that was on an antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication or anything. Um, I mean, I think when I was in high school, the biggest thing we worried about was getting pregnant and you need to be on birth control, right? Like that was, that was about it. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I mean, I think that it's great that mental health is talked about more freely now. I think that that's really important. I think there's been more awareness around TBIs, traumatic brain injuries and concussions. And so people are starting to look at, you know, the impact of that over time, but you know, it could be social media aspect. I don't know because part of me wonders, okay, when I was in school, were there more people going through what I was going through and it just wasn't talked about. And today it seems like more kids are struggling with this, but it is talked about, or is it the same amount or is it more? I mean, 
I would guess that probably more kids are struggling with mental health due to social media. I can't imagine having social media when I was in school on top of dealing with what I was dealing with. Like, I don't think that would have helped at all. So, um, it is, it is kind of interesting, but I, I don't know. I don't know what the exact answer is, but I am glad that we're having conversations about it now. We did have social media to some extent, like MySpace is showing our age, but into, but we could switch it yeah. off. It was a case of you could probably go weeks, maybe months without actually engaging with uh, the evolution of that is, oh, I seen it on YouTube the other day. Oh, gosh. ISM Messenger. Of like, oh, instant- see, I- yeah, instant messenger, like to talk. I didn't even get a cell phone until I was in college. Oh wow, I was. I yes, was, I think I'm older than you. <laughs> I was my mid mid teens, but people would probably say that that's 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 old to be a teenager yeah. and to have a a device. But that only did text and calls, and that was it. It's not none of this computer computer in your pocket uh, that it yeah. is today. Yeah. Definitely, but the the aspect of it being interesting to do to 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 see the 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 the, 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 the I can't say the word the statistics and polls of you know yesteryear versus present day, and obviously from talking from a male perspective, you know the stigma of I need I need to have a bravado I need to 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 show uh, an instinct of and perspective of uh, I'm going to use what somebody suggested uh, what somebody referred to yesterday as pride I, I would say it was ego you know the male narrative of I must portray a certain presence of I'm strong not to be seen as weak so I'm going to hide concussion I'm going to hide any ounce of what could be demonized as weakness to be to be seen along my peers as equals mm-hmm and that's probably still a problem nowadays as it's okay you you spoke about people talking about it more but i watched a tv program last year and it was like a round table of all guys as who would speak up about uh, mental health i think it was like it's lower than 30 percent, so it's still quite relatively low and that's that's only one country so the, the the perspective of what you said in, t- in reference to social media, um, we're probably referring to probably Instagram more specifically, is wasn't one matter of male or female because people are going to have those insecurities of what is portrayed in front of them, be it you know the the, the perfect figure, and everybody is going to have it insecurities about themselves if they don't if they say they don't. It, yeah it, it's probably what are they what, what's the narrative that they're telling themselves that's not is potentially true versus the ones that probably own up to say oh i want to look like that but i look in the mirror and i'm far from that and obviously that that's you reference bullying the the and obviously the t- i didn't mean to put this in but in terms of like the the reference to your type of book bullying stop bullying yourself that's mm-hmm. that's that's going to be one cause of anxiety i'm not going to say depression but it could amount to that if if it's not taken care of 
Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, for instance, the whole thing with social media and filters and I mean, that whole idea of how we're quote unquote supposed to look is so distraught. I, I didn't appreciate my body until after I had my second child, when I had my daughter. And that really woke me up inside because I thought, gosh, here I have a little girl and I was getting magazines delivered to my house every month as if like, like, like with these airbrushed 18 year olds on them. And I just remember I was like, what am I doing? Like, I have this little girl and she's going to think that that is what beauty is. That is what happiness is. And that's how we're supposed to look. And it's not like we all have different types of bodies. Our bodies, I mean, they're beautiful in all ways. And I think that with social media, it does put this idea in our head that we're supposed to look a certain way and it can really, really mess with us. And, you know, back then I had magazines being delivered. I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine now because I see it on my phone, but being that age and opening my phone and how many times do people open their phone in a day? And the first thing they're seeing is, you know, this perfect body or this person that's just putting out there what it is people want them to see and all this. And we need to remember that that's not real life. That's like the top 1% of the 1% of those people's lives that they want to show you. Um, and so that's, that is challenging. And, you know, from that's from my woman's perspective as a man's perspective, I'm guessing that men go through the same thing, right? It's just not talked about as much. maybe. Well, so I this, so this, and I've gone through it and I'm quite open to, to, to sharing it in the episode of the, the dysmorph in the opposite way of you have this perception of I'm what I see in the mirror isn't as aesthetically pleasing enough as you you deemed yourself to be you could say it's like small man syndrome uh you you don't think that you're as muscular as what everybody else sees and there's different levels of dysmorphia it could be uh the one with weight loss that i'm i'm bigger than than what's on the front of a cover of men's health or uh similar things of uh, i can't think of what muscle and fitness and think uh, things of, yeah. of that nature it's it's that look that either a, a, a model has somebody in an action figure movie um, but I think where you look at the male narrative of a movie star can go from one role of playing I'll use Arnold Schwarzenegger as a bit easier to be able to use from going from playing Conan to argument's sake oh gosh i can't remember the one that was pregnant in to those extremes of of portraying somebody that's gonna gonna get fat for 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 a science experiment but there's gonna be extremes where movie stars are playing somebody buff to 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 a role they gotta be fat and obviously that's not healthy to, to go from one extreme to the other but i think where my opinion on on the female one is a little bit more challenging it is plastered on front of magazines billboards social media i've i'm probably fortunate that i'm part of a photography club and and we were doing photoshop last night it makes you question what (laughs) is a real picture at the end of the day as how much can you augment this is without filters this is how much can you make fake that's not even real of 
YouTube will do it with thumbnails as well. What is, at the end of the day, what is authentic and what is not? I think people need to not always question everything, but kind of think things from a, an open view perspective as what is the, the narrative that the person's not telling me? You you obviously brought up a good one when it comes to Instagram of the person is only showing what they, they, they want to show. That's an insecurity mm. that right there. Those people should kind of go massive red flag as what what is it that you're afraid of, of showing in your true day-to-day life that you don't think is impressionable i i, I obviously uh, applaud the, the 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 i don't like to use the influencers but the social media influencers that are willing to show you know true life and they'll be honest that you know i go on a photo shoot one day a year and i obviously use the content 365 days that's honest it's like i'm showing transparency that this is me at my peak but i'm showcasing with my content obviously the written stuff will be the where the actual the juice is as opposed to but the picture is what entices people in to consume it whereas i wouldn't i i I, you'd probably have to draw the the analytics to find what's the percentage of people that obviously being dishonest versus being authentic yeah and I love that you said that because that's like what I do right like my friend she'll take my pictures I'll bring like 10 different outfits and we take the pictures and then there's a picture and then there's my content and that's where the juice is like reading the words that are put on the page and you know I've talked about I had uh, I talked about my postpartum depression issues that I've had I've talked about you know I used to look at my thighs and my body and you know think all sorts of weird stuff and then Um, even recently I just had my breast implants taken out and I did a whole post on that. Um, and it's it's a whole process, you know, as a woman, like going through, you know, what I, what I know from my soul level, like that, what I look like, honestly, that's not ultimately what matters. It matters how I feel inside and how I move my body throughout my everyday life and how my body allows me to interact with other humans, right? Like I get to hug my children. I get to shake someone's hand. I get to do all these things. And that is so, I appreciate my body so much for that versus thinking I have to wear, like, I don't know, like there's like this idea that as a woman, like we have to look a certain way and you know, I'm at this conference right now and I am a person that wears like, I'll wear a blazer, but I'll also wear, I have sneakers on right now and I'm at a conference, right? Like this is my style and I'm okay with this. Like, this is who I am. Whereas, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I would have put on shoes that made me feel uncomfortable. I would have made sure my boobs were nice and perky and showing with a, a V-neck. Like, I mean, it's just so funny, like how, you know, as we get more mature and we work through our junk, we realize like, no, it's my soul interacting with other people's souls that is ultimately of importance. And, you know, it's, it's not always like the way we look, it's really how we carry ourselves and interact with other people. I don't know if that makes sense. It's really hard to put into words, but from where I was, it is. Do, do, you, do you think it's because of that that narrative you know sex sells is is the main issue under under the surface of i i can wear pretty much okay i can go topless if i want to on a beach where and it's socially acceptable but you have to have to conform 
to yeah. you could say a male um, oriented agenda whereas you have to flaunt it to be able to get ahead in life I can just be me and obviously people who accept me for me me do you, do you think it's kind of um oh how would I describe this a chauvinistic way of of, of treating women to a certain extent yeah no 100 I know that like part of my success has been how I used to look and how I used to put myself out there I know I got ahead in certain ways because of how I chose to dress, how I looked, not necessarily what was going on between my ears. Right. And I'm a woman that is very intelligent and, um, I have a mind I can think for myself, but there was a period of time where I looked towards more of my physical being of getting me ahead versus my brain. And now I'm like, Oh my gosh. Right. But that's, that's a part of the evolution process with who we are and really recognizing like, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe I used to like really think that I, I mean, I would get certain, I think I got certain positions and I, I got ahead because of how I looked. And, um, now I'm like, now I know what I, where I'm going and how I'm getting there is all based on like my thinking and the strength I have as, as how I put myself out there as someone who thinks for themselves and is, is an intelligent person. But how do we move away from that? Because ultimately what I work, you, you work and I work similarly in the health and wellness industry, obviously physical the way that you, how I word this, the way that you look plays a massive influence on obviously people's decisions. Um, because yeah. if I was, say, 20, 30 pounds overweight, mm-hmm. nobody's going to want to work with me because it's like, well, okay, you can, the, the, the individual that is overweight can relate, but how can you dictate to me, James, on how to 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 live in a healthy well uh, in a healthy lifestyle whereas yeah. i think it it's pretty much in it, it's it, it's evolved in itself to to create this well you could you could probably use it as a virus because it's evolved from being in magazines on billboards and you can avoid it to it's pretty much in everybody's daily lives in terms of if you weren't aware of what you were doing you know just turning on your 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 phone at the beginning of the day and automatically going on facebook instagram tiktok pretty much i don't have to go say the the latter two i don't have to go very far to find people sexualizing their 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 being to get ahead in life so what what do we need to do to counteract that so to some extent what men and women are on equal footing i know we're going into a very complex issue with that but how do we go reverse the tide of people i don't want to use resorting to sexualizing their being to to get ahead in life but how do we get it so it's doesn't become 
uh, an aspect that has affects people's mental well-being yeah honestly i think if we are living our true authentic life you will attract the right people so you may get a client because you look a certain way or because you're putting out your you know sex cells right and you may get that client for you know a one purchase you may get them for a coaching session of three months you may get them for a short period of time but what I have found is the more I stay in line with my true authentic self and what I'm doing on this earth and how I go about working with people, I have clients that stay with me and that they refer people to me. And it is like, you get to a point where you're getting so busy that you're like, this is so amazing. How did this happen? Whereas, you know, 20 years ago, when I started off in the wellness industry, just personal training and just telling people, oh, just exercise as if that's going to solve all their problems. I mean, it's real easy for an early 20 year old to say, right. I mean, it's an important piece to the puzzle. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I didn't have kids back then. I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have all of the things that, you know, one ends up dealing with throughout their lifetime. And so I really have evolved into, yes, we need to move our bodies. Yes, we need to have good nutrition, but we also need to have that mindset. And we also need to be okay with wanting to live how we feel in alignment with our true self. So I don't think that, you know, the sex cells will ever leave. I think that's always going to be there. But I think that people that are truly genuinely successful and that can, you can look at that as financial, you can look at that as true happiness, which is I measure my set success on my level of joy and true happiness. Um, the money just follows and I've been very blessed in that way. But I think if we can stay in alignment with all of that, you will attract the people that you're meant to work with throughout this lifetime. And that is a ripple effect. I know for every mother that I help and I work with and healing happens within her healing happens also within her family. Um, the same with the dads I work with the same with the little kids that I work with. And so I think that the more um, people in the wellness arena that can be okay with who they are and where they're at and all their flaws. Um, but essentially accept their flaws. I mean, let, you know, it's fine. Like I have flaws as well. Um, but ultimately like play on your strengths and get in alignment with what it is you truly want in this lifetime and set your goals based on your goals, not on society's goals. Um, the more people we get to do that, I think the more this will kind of mediate itself. I think I resonate with what you say, Anna Marie, because that's one thing I had to do um, in my second re you could say reincarnation of my business because well, you could see behind me all the things I've done sport-wise, but people will put me on a pedestal because of what I'd done in, I won't say a former life, as in it's not that long ago, but, but for me that was a, an identity. And what I had to do to kind of go, well, okay, what do I have to do to narrow the chasm because it doesn't matter if I if, as, bang, as much as I bang on this drum of exercise 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 and get annoyed with people because it's like well this is fundamentally easy for me and probably for you but for somebody that may have never done exercise in their life it's a massive deal so I was yeah. quite I won't say initially um, it was difficult because being vulnerable is 
God, you only got to go back probably like 10, 10 years, maybe a little bit longer. What's personal is personal. You don't disclose your insecurities, your flaws to anybody because well, you and I come from a sporting background. Yeah. A weakness is a weakness. Ultimately, if somebody can take advantage of it in that arena and they know that, they're going to full as well take advantage of it. So you, you, you are, in a sense, you create a suit of armor as I'm not going to tell anybody any mm -hmm. of my deepest, deepest darkest secrets because then they can't trash talk me. They can't they can't get under my skin to be able to make me get off my game. So it's it's something that I have had to subconsciously. I'm probably more conscious of it now because it's it's not so difficult. But take some of that off gradually and be uncomfortable because it's not it's like well yeah. i've not purposely put this armor on it's just happened it's just that we're we're conditioned to do that straight off the bat it's like uh you know michael jordan and kobe bryant probably ruthless but one's alive and one's not <laughs> but they were ruthless they probably could step over their own grandmother not everybody's built like that so you create some protection so it's a yeah. in a sense a metaphoric suit of armor so for me i had to take it off to be vulnerable and showcase the the aspects with mental health for me oh gosh not that long ago about four or five years ago but i documented it for my own self to kind of go well, okay you've come from here to rediscover your, your yourself because I pretty much lost confidence in in myself of doing pretty much and people probably hear surprised to hear this now everything I I I would probably take things for face value if people were to say you're not successful okay am I and I was that doubting myself to the yeah. point I worked in education in high school for for a little bit to I know I'd rediscovered my confidence because in a split second I was able to respond to a pupil or student in a way that that would knock their confidence too much but but would kind of put them in a place as I won't talk to myself like this you are right. sure hell not going to do it but that is a process that uh, through anxiety or, or depression it happens gradually and it happens over a period of time of if you encounter setbacks or failures obviously it's going to be your undoing and if if you were not aware of being having to be able to differentiate between you know what is failure and you being a failure which is complete cross uh, um, stark difference the anxiety and depression takes hold. So it's, for me, it was showcasing to people that, okay, I've, I've, I've been there and got the t-shirt. Obviously, it's not ideal to have either. Uh, I had a staff member ask me, how did you lose a lot of weight? I was like, well, I lost it through anxiety. I know that you want to lose weight, but I wouldn't wish a mental health condition on anybody yeah yeah and i think too like 
like you said, like you have that suit of armor and as an athlete, like you just, you just learn that it's a part of the game. Right. But I think one of the beautiful things about going from sport into real world, because being in sport and in the real world are very different. Um, I think what's beautiful about it is those struggles that we have allow us to essentially be vulnerable. And when we're working with clients, have a level of understanding. And, you know, when I work with clients and I work with these high school kids, um, I've recently had a lot of high school boys, their parents are bringing them in to see me and they're having anxiety and they're having depression. And, you know, they come in and they're like, come into my office. And then, you know, we all have these like initial judgments, right? And so once I get to like talking to them and I do share a little bit about what I went through, or I'll say, you know, I can, I can, I can see, you know, how that could come up for you. And when I give them a little ounce of me, they're like, oh, right. Like it's, because they do, they put you on a pedestal and, and I think kids naturally will put most adults on a pedestal, right. Whether you're an athlete or not. And so it's when we can just show that vulnerability and, um, with vulnerability that just comes from life experience and it can really create some deeper relationships and then really help people. So it is important to be vulnerable and let your ego go and, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's important piece to the, to the puzzle. Do you think it's challenging for, for high schoolers because they're trying to live up to, you could say movie stereotypes to some extent, or do you need to be the star quarterback? You need to be the head cheerleader. You need to be from an ac- academic point of view, you need to be valedictorian. You need to be, uh, it's something that obviously my family remind me a lot of because it's like, I went to 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 an international department of defense school, so it, it it's very unique in its nature, and there weren't clicks. There there were overlaps, which is not normal of the narratives that that movies will tell. You know, the the sport people are idiots uh, for the majority. Uh, obviously, the geeks have no social skills. Do you think? for for the mass majority of teenagers now teenagers nowadays do you think they're trying to live up to some of those stereotypes which which obviously is 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 a um a writer's prerogative in terms of they're just they're just writing a story at the end of the day yeah and i think that that's the whole thing right with movies and social media again it's that amplification of something that could be there on a lower level, but they make it into as if, you know, like, yeah, like jocks are stupid. Like I actually always thought that I thought because I was an athlete, I wasn't very smart and I learned differently than other kids. So for a long time, I thought that I was stupid and I didn't discover until I went to university that I was like, Oh my God, I'm actually kind of smart. Like I started to like, just because I got into things I was interested in. And um, so, yeah, so I do think that, that there is that I, I noticed a lot of kids really caring and a lot of pressure they feel to get into colleges. 
and to get into different schools. And, um, and, you know, on that level, I can't really relate with, I had parents, my mom was pregnant at 17. My dad was a high school dropout. So my parents were like, when you turn 18, you either pay a hundred dollars a month or a week in rent, or you can go to school and, um, but we're not giving you any money. So you just pretty much when you're 18, go and figure it out, but you're not getting a free ride. So I never had that pressure from parents or a push to go to college or anything like that. I was fortunate enough to kind of realize like, I want to go to college because I want that experience. I want to do sports and I was smart. And so I did have some athletic and academic scholarship, even though I felt like I wasn't deserving of it and all that stuff. But, um, but I can't imagine like kids that actually have parents that are like, you need to go to the school or you need to get in and the pressure with, with all of that. I was just always worried about how the hell am I going to pay for school? Like, you know, I, I wanted to go to medical school, but it was not an option for me because I didn't have money to go. So that was, to me, it, it wasn't even an option. And I had to do everything I could to get through university without much debt. And so, um, so yeah, so these kids that are like going in debt to go to school, worried about what school they're going into, then they have to look a certain way. And there's all these expectations. I mean, that is a lot for anyone to handle and not to mention our brains aren't even fully developed till we're about 25 years old. So that huge transition of from 18 to 25, you're literally going from being a high school kid to being expected to go to this university take out a hundred thousand, whatever money, you know, dollars in loans, and then go get a job in the real world. And you need to be successful and you need to, da, da, da. and it's like, what is happening here? Like, that's so much for any child to handle. Like, that's just, it's a lot. I'm probably at the other end of that spectrum, if I'm honest, then, cause I, I look, well, could say luck. Some people will probably look at it as adversity being born with disability. Mm-hmm. You can't see it on the screen, but but that opened doors for me. It I was lucky. I shouldn't say the word used. Lucky, fortunate to to as a result be good at sport, to be able to get on national programs, and then I'll go to university uh, through the back door, so to speak. As the the sport was the the one that opened the doors, and for me. If we went back to high school, uh, I had a, a high school teacher say to me, you would amount to nothing. Okay, it wasn't in America system. It was, it was, I would have been in middle school. That stayed with mm-hmm. me until I changed schools. Because it's like, well, I'm hearing yeah. this on a routinely basis. Is what he's saying factually true? Academically, that was true. I, I, I would like to, as an adult, speak what's the motives behind it because for some people they would respond to that. In a sporting arena, I used it because it was ammunition yeah. and people do ask me nowadays, could you not use anything that was bad mouth to you all the time? I was like, no, because ultimately that's going to burn you out because if you're just using this, what we'll coin negative energy, you're going to be very angry a lot of the time, which I probably was as because I'm trying to prove a point as, well, amount to not to nothing is pretty extreme, uh, and I've been open about that down the years. I'm probably a little bit less angry than I was uh, talking about it years ago, uh, because I, I probably got to a, p- a point in my life that hey, you've said it, I I I forgive you for it because 
I don't know what the the ulterior motive of you could say it's probably reverse psychology for some people they're going to respond to it as well I don't I don't think I'm going to amount to nothing I'm, I think I'm going to be a great great success I'm probably the other side of that as you don't respond very well and it is it is probably it is what it is and it's psychological bullying and it's torture because you 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 start to not question things like that and okay is what he's saying to be true factually true and back to what you said earlier on in the episode you start becoming that individual so it took me changing schools and to pretty much it was like a complete night and day to to I I did second guess myself about going to university or college for five minutes because it's like you're just replaying that narrative and you don't believe it, James. So the, if you even get a no, if you get all these no's, hey, it's not a setback. It's it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, some of them were no's. That particular university in question was a yes, but there were certain. Uh, what would be the word I want to use? Not reservations, but certain criteria that you've got to make on top of uh, of it. Uh, so I had to have a, an interview. I bombed it, um, and I've spoken to family about it recently because it's like, well, what 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 made you decide to take the decision? They gave me a conditional offer to to do to go to JUCO in, instead, so go to um, a foundation college in this. So I took it because it would allow me to progress in sport, and people would say. Well, why did you take that? It's like, well, it, it's breadcrumbs. It's going to get me to where I want to go to. I'm in the place yeah. that I need to be. And obviously, we'll, we'll make that materialize. Um, but the, 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 the psychological thing that you're talking about for the present day of, you know, having, you could say, push, push your parents to some extent of, you yeah. see it in sport, and those are the people you you like to beat the kid because it, it it affects the parent more because it's ah oh, why did you lose to so and so? Yeah. Well, you're living your life through the child at the end of the day, not the so the child will hate the sport and eventually will want to quit because they don't like it. Um. So the the social pressures that you're talking about, I didn't have to deal with, but. I think where we have synergy is once I got into the school, I wanted to prove to myself that I was good enough and prove that I deserved to be there to the to the institution, which is, it, it doesn't matter. They, ha- they have faith in your ability because they wouldn't have accepted you in the first place. So I think it's that insecurity of you're always want, trying to outdo yourself, but you don't see it as something that is an insecurity somewhere else mm-hmm. yeah and I think too like you know having the struggles of like I look at myself and the, the crap that I went through and you know going to school and the way I was raised and then I look at like my kids right like they're having They have so much more than I ever had. However, part of me is like, do they really have more? I mean, they, they do in terms of financials, um, you know, like opportunity wise, they have more, 
But then there's that grit, right? Like you're talking about, like, there's that I'm going to prove to you and everybody else that the stigma and the things that you've told me, because I had a second grade teacher that, I mean, in second grade, she literally implanted in my head. I'd never amount to anything because I couldn't read. And that those things just, it made everything turn for me. Like I am going to be successful no matter what I knew ever since I was younger, I was going to be super successful. Um, I didn't know what that looked like, but then also it was like that voice that you're not good enough. Keep trying, keep pushing harder, which is a good thing because it pushes you. But it, it was when that voice got louder than the voice that said, you can do it. You keep pushing and the voice that was like, you're not good enough, blah, blah, blah. When that one gets louder, that that's when real destructions, I, I believe starts to happen. Um, but sometimes I do worry like with my kids because you know, they're not going to have to worry about essentially paying for college. They're not going to have to worry about some of these things that drove me to become successful. And so, um, and I think that for a lot of people in my generation, we've, you know, there's so many people that I know are doing so much better than their parents were. And so like, there's this rah, rah success and happiness with that. But then on the other side of that, you kind of worry, well, all these things that got me to where I am, my kids aren't experiencing them, you know, but again, they'll have their own story too. So I guess only time will tell. <laughs> well, I think it's asking questions, it's asking questions and, and, and obviously the pandemic has been useful in a way for me to ask my mom or dad what was the adversity like for you being parents of having as far as to my knowledge I'm the only disabled person in my family going back however when I, how far I want to go back because I'm curious I'm, I'm intrigued at that okay it, enough people have told me down the years through through podcasting that your story is amazing because you've over for me it's no big deal it's like hey I've lived right. it it's hey if you say overcoming you know wearing going from wearing long long trousers or or, or jeans to wearing a, a shorts is adversity I don't it was like and I talked about it just yesterday about it I'm going from A to B I think about 16 years old, I have a problem with it. That's the problem. The solution is change clothing. And people are going to go, well, that's amazing that you could do that with all your hormonal change. Well, for a male, it's not that big a deal. But I don't think. I, I'm i I'm quite a, 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 a smart person to kind of go, well, the dots don't align. Something's got to change. And... The, the 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 outlier to this is I was all comfortable in a sporting sense to be okay with me. So that's I was talking to somebody on my podcast last week. You saying that I've environmental factors. So that makes sense that in one scenario I'm comfortable, and in the everyday classroom I'm not. Because back to what we talked about, you know, a smart aspect of I think I'm a different person in a classroom, and in the gym on the playing field I'm this pretty much alter ego like Jekyll and Hyde or Bruce Banner or the Hulk I'm a totally different person you put me in that environment I'm confident as as heck that's pretty much like these people would say uh with with public speaking this is public speaking I'm, I'm comfortable but it's been an evolution 
I wouldn't go back and listen back to my episodes at the very beginning because it's cringe because it's like well it's not it's not it's not polished it's not uh, it doesn't flow naturally and obviously that's an evolution is you you've got to be able to get better at your craft and it, it becomes a little bit easier and a little bit the more that you do it and supporting people obviously we don't we don't for the majority i'd say michael michael or kobe they like the process most people hate it because it's like or 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 devalue it or overlook i overlooked it because it's like well i i want to go from a to b it's a course of 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 enduring if i like it that's wonderful if i hate it i've got to get through it and somewhere in between, hey, just get there's no it's it's nothing to think about. That's not useful nowadays because it's like, well, I need to know all these metrics because when shit hits the fan, how am I going to respond? Am I going to respond negatively and destructively? And this is where you know uh, emotions take hold when things go wrong. We revert back to. It took me. It took another coach making me aware of what I'd said. Of here we go again, but I can't use the tonality that I did like negatively. Of now I'm just putting, I'm just hitting rewind and and putting the VCR but VCR tape in of something bad that's happened, and obviously we we replay the the narrative that goes alongside it, versus obviously the 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 positive of that we don't. We don't analyze either because it's like everything is singing, dancing. That's wonderful. I'm not. I'm not going to analyze that to a second degree, and we carry on. But that's the undoing sometimes. Yeah, I agree, a hundred percent. But what do you think we need to do from a, a shift? Because obviously the social media is not going away. It's probably the evolution of that is probably virtual reality, which is even more scary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, yeah, I think ultimately, like everybody that's listening out there, like you need to align with your true authentic self. Like you need to, you need to enjoy the process right? It's not A to B. And like you're saying, because we get so caught up in the finish line that we forget that the most growth happens, you know, going from A to B. And the thing is, is once you get to quote unquote, your finish line, what you're going to find is it was never the finish line. There's so much more out there. And I believe that, you know, we're here on earth to evolve our souls over our entire lifetime. And so just know that there is no end game and that the more you can align with what it is you truly want and what you're truly passionate about and really just what lights you up, that's where ultimately true happiness and growth will continue to be in your life. And that's a really great space to be. That moves me nicely to our our penultimate question of the episode then that that I ask every guest, Anna Marie. If you got, and I'm going to ask you a two-part question, so you're lucky, not very many get people get this one. If you got, so I'll ask the first part of it, if you got to sit down with any athlete dead or alive, 
for that matter, who would that be and why? That, I think Magic Johnson, because one, he grew up like 20 minutes from my hometown. And I think the whole fact that he was HIV positive during a time that was so tumultuous for people with that and how he's grown and become this entrepreneur and amazing human who continues to give back. Um, I think I would definitely love to sit down with him and have a conversation. And my second part of the question, if you got to sit down with any coach dead or alive for that matter, who would that be and why? Oh man. Um, What is his name from the Lakers? Phil? Phil Jackson. Yeah, I think him. And what's funny is I think I did a report on him when I was, maybe when I was in college or something, but he got to work with so many great athletes. And I mean, I'm a big basketball fan. So, you know, playing basketball, I love playing basketball. Um, just because he came into a non-winning franchise and turned it around and just had some amazing players. So I think probably, probably him. And my final question before we wrap up the episode is if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? To be your true authentic self because it'll help you with your mental health and your physical health when you align with that. So once again, Anna Marie, thanks again for coming on the mat. I can't speak. Thanks again, <laughs> Anna Marie, for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thanks again for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes below. And I would love to hear from you. Come and connect and ask your questions. I've been James Roberts from jamesowenroberts.com. Remember this quote by Chris Hart. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute, not by some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. <laughs>